Welcome to EdMed Talks. I'm Dr. Adam DeVico, a career educator. I'm Dr. Jacqueline DeVico, a pediatrician. And we're your husband-wife duo for all things parenting. Welcome to episode five, where today we're going to talk about something that's pretty relevant in a lot of lives right now, test anxiety. So something I've noted these past few weeks, it seems like every other day, both of our boys are coming home saying, I have to take this test or prepare for this test or charge their iPad for this test. Adam, why so many tests and what tests are they taking? So testing has become just part of the fabric of schooling and whether for the better or worse, I'm not here to judge, though I have my own opinions, but testing's just become part of the culture of schooling. Uh, it's partly a... Uh, accountability measure. So for those that have been around education for a while, you may remember something uh, called No Child Left Behind, and that's where the testing culture really ramped up. But it's also a financial thing too. There's a lot of testing companies that make a lot of money over these things, and there's a lot of influence on those companies in the schooling uh, culture. What types of tests are there? So, I mean, there's, there's uh, high-stakes testing, which I think are what most people are most familiar with. And so that comes at the end of the year, usually, uh, when uh, typically in most states, so not all, but most states, it starts in around third grade. And from third through 12th grade, these are um, end of grade or end of course tests that cumulatively assess, you know, what did you learn this year? Now, the if it were just a test just to say, hey, how'd we do this year? It'd be fine. But unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, pressure on the schools and the administrators and the districts to do well because a lot of these success, the success of these tests you know, gauge you know, maybe a, a school score or grade assigned to it. And then those grades uh, are seen by the community. The community then gauges how that school is seen. Again, rather right or wrong, I'm not judging, but a lot of parents judge the uh, test results on how, quote-unquote, good a school is. So do all tests happen at the end of the year? No, not really. Uh, There are, in in most places, tests throughout the year. Uh, They are check-ins sometimes. So a lot of states, at the end of the quarter uh, or at the end of a course, they'll do kind of an assessment on what's been going on so far that year. And for the most part, those tests are not high stakes. Usually they're local measures. And so those tests don't necessarily uh, go beyond the school or beyond the district. But those are good teaching uh, tools because it gives a little bit of an insight on what has been learned. And it's a good uh, measure for the teachers to see, hey, where do I need to fill in the gaps? Where do I need to accelerate? Or, you know, where are the kids really being successful? So at the office, I'll certainly see plenty of kids with anxiety. Some kids have more generalized anxiety, anxiety with everyday activities, but some kids will have very specific or situational anxiety, and some of that anxiety is with testing. How often do you see that in schools? I mean, anxiety gets uh, shown a lot in school, and it, it shows itself in different ways. Some kids, they, uh, they cry, especially at a younger age, a lot of tears. Sometimes they just freeze up. You know what happens a lot is kids get stomach aches. They get uh, they get kind of sick to their stomach. Yeah, I'll see that a lot in the office. So we call that functional abdominal pain. When kids are anxious, nervous, stressed, they have a hard time expressing those words. So often they will get headaches and stomach aches. And so I'll let parents know if something is going on in school and you notice your child is having stomach aches, without weight loss, without vomiting, diarrhea, that just seem to happen 
after school or maybe the night before tests or the night before big activities, often it's just anxiety. It's their emotions causing those physical symptoms. You know, I'm starting to wonder, our younger son, he's been, and his teacher actually noticed this, he's been getting stomach aches on spelling test days. And I, I, I did not make that correlation, but he's been getting stomach aches on those days. And I mean, I'll say he's not the best studier. He's also in second grade, but I would not say he puts in a ton of work into going into these spelling tests. So I'm starting to wonder if there's a little bit of anxiety going on, because he's normally not an anxious person. Uh, but his teacher noticed like, yeah, he's been getting these stomach aches when we have spelling tests. Yeah, a lot of kids will have these physical manifestations of anxiety when they are stressed or nervous about something. So why does this happen? This, the way I try to explain it to families is think back to our kind of caveman women days or more, I'll call it kind of animal brain, where we have this, the emotional part of our brain or the limbic system that has this fight, flight, or freeze response. If an animal is coming to attack us, it's important for us to have that response, to have our senses kind of heightened, our heart starts pounding, we sweat a little bit, we are on high alert. So there is a benefit to this in short periods of time. But when it happens recurrent, recurrent, then it becomes detrimental. Yeah, and we see a lot of kids who do have that test anxiety. Their flight mechanism is, you know, that crying where they just want to get out of the situation. And, you know, as a, as a teacher, as a parent, I get it. Like, because if you're wanting your kid to do the best they can, if they're stressed out, there's no way they're going to do the best they can. So it's this really tough situation where you're trying to be like, hey, you got this. Let's do this. We're going to be great. And then they're like, oh, I can't do it. I'm sick. I don't feel well. And no, they're not going to do their best that day. But like I said in the beginning, unfortunately, a lot of these test results directly impact how schools are perceived. And the perception of it may not be completely accurate. If you do have kids not doing their best, because of, you know, test anxiety and the stress and the pressure. Well, in this testing culture, you know, goes even beyond elementary, middle, high school, even college. To become a doctor, I had to take and score quite high on a test called the MCAT. Then when you get into medical school, there are these eight-hour sometimes two days of eight-hour tests called steps that I had to go through. Then I have to study for my pediatric board, which is a full day of testing. And being a doctor is not the only test-heavy career. So it's something that kids are going to deal with possibly throughout their lives into adulthood. I think that's where the discussion needs to come in with, do we need every child to be prepared to take a test? Because some kids will not end up in pathways that require them. But then if we don't give that training, are we setting some kids up for the situation where like, hey, they never got the training, but hey, you would have made a really good whatever profession if you just knew how to take this test better. Well, and this, I kind of look at it as performance anxiety and testing is one way to perform intellectually. That same performance anxiety can appear if your child plays baseball and they're up to bat and it's really imperative that they get on base. That performance anxiety can happen in a job interview later on in life or a big presentation where you're trying to win a pitch. That performance anxiety is important for people to do well later in life. So I think those skills of learning how to stop that flight mechanism and really focus on, I'll call it metaphorical fighting, because please don't actually physically fight, but that medical for, metaphorical fighting for that test, 
fighting through that fear and using that anxiety to help you perform well on whatever is making you nervous, whatever that high stakes moment is in your life. And that's a good point. We are always up against something that's going to you know, make us nervous or make, make us anxious. And so having mechanisms in place to help us cope with this are really important. And as a teacher, and I know as a pediatrician, we get asked a lot, like, what do we do? How do we prepare our kids for, I mean, in this case, yes, test anxiety, but other types of situations that are going to be anxiety inducing. And so one thing that I personally do is just validate the feeling like it's okay to feel anxious. Like, yes, there are situations in our lives where we feel pressure and Jacqueline just went over a bunch of them and it's okay like it's not a wrong feeling to be anxious and so uh, if you do have a kid that is facing this type of anxiety you know testing or other elements validate that and validating a child's feelings is incredibly important in their growth and development when they learn that emotional IQ Children often have extreme emotional reactions compared to adults, and an adult helping them understand that these feelings are normal and are okay can really help a child then learn how to control these what feel extreme feelings. Another thing too is often preparing kids, whether it's performance or situational anxiety, preparing kids, getting them used to that scenario, getting them used to that feeling can really help. And as we're talking about testing, most teachers do this regularly. And so again, assuming that the testing kind of starts in third grade and acknowledging that some start as early as kindergarten, teachers understand the the pressures and the test-taking strategies that are involved in, in doing well on these tests. And so most teachers will prepare the kids by doing test prep questions. A lot of schools and school districts now have online portals and programs that have Uh, question banks that mimic kind of an end of grade or end of course uh, assessment. And uh, teachers just generally work with kids on test taking strategies. And so a lot of strategies, if you've ever done uh, a test as an adult, then you probably recognize a lot of these, but things like uh, reading a question twice, reading a passage twice, uh, eliminating answers that are not as logical, If it's a math kind of uh, question, making sure you show all your work, work out the problem in multiple ways, proving your answers. These are all routine strategies that teachers across the country are doing with their kids regularly. This sounds similar to a lot of advice we give for specific phobias or anxiety. If a child is terrified of dogs, you don't want to drag a child close to a large, loud, barking, aggressive dog right away. You want to first look at pictures of dogs, maybe watch videos, then have them stand near a small, quiet dog, you know, little steps, baby steps until that child feels comfortable. Yeah. And so the anxiety, we know it goes across a lot of different sectors of our lives and practicing, preparing, and uh, making sure that we feel like we know what we're doing can be a huge step in the right direction. I also talk to kids uh, and parents about sticking to routines. Sometimes we treat a test-taking day like uh, the Super Bowl, and sometimes that can be, for some kids who get anxious, even more anxiety-inducing. For some people, it's fine because 
they you know they rise to the occasion and you know it's it's game time and let's go i like my sports analogies by the way but <laughs> for kids who already have anxiety with testing treating this like a day that is going to impact the rest of your life is just not helpful for them and so sticking to a routine whatever they do every day just stick with it if they get up eat breakfast take a shower get on the bus and you know go about their day just let them keep doing that and it just so happens that that day they're taking a test i think it's important too as a parent to be positive on these testing days help your child get excited might be the wrong word but explain to them listen i'm so proud of you you get to show how much you've learned this last year you get to put on paper how well you've done. And this is this can be a positive, exciting thing, just as a child is in, let's say, sports, getting to show off all the practice they've done. Yeah. And at the end of the day, look, not every kid is going to pass the test. They may not do all that well. But I want to re- just say, and maybe this is like the unspoken word of teaching, but like the tests are one day. It's not a measure of everything they know. And if they bomb it, they bomb it. And getting on a kid for not passing it or just not doing their best that day, it's unnecessary. I mean, these tests are are created to make a certain percentage not pass. That's why they're scaled. And so if everyone were to pass it, they'd rescale it. So by nature, uh, there is a distribution of who passes and how many. And so I, you know, I don't feel like saying to your kid you have to pass this is a really good strategy do your best is fine you know show us what you know but after that i would just leave it alone uh you know for some kids just getting them in front of that test that day is more than enough so i know we've talked a little bit about our older son who had gotten nervous for tennis matches and we mentioned having kind of a breathing exercises or a ball in his pocket to squeeze when he gets nervous Tell me, what strategies do you see helpful for kids in a testing situation? So one of the biggest is a breathing exercise. You know, just taking a deep breath, making sure that you are calm and cool and uh, and just level-headed. And it, I'll tell you what, I've, I've been doing testing for 20 years. I have seen every kind of situation of kids getting anxious and breathing, you know, calm breaths just continually seems to be one of the most effective One strategy I like to teach children with breathing is counting while they're breathing in their head. Breathe in through your nose as a count of two and out slowly either through your nose or through your mouth as a count of four. The numbers aren't exactly relevant. It's more just for kids to take time breathing in and take approximately twice as long breathing out. Those slow, deep breaths really help tell your brain everything is going to be okay. And I, uh, I just want to note just from a legal standpoint, a lot of kids ask, and I get asked by parents too, hey, can my kid have, a, have like a fidget or something like that in the testing session? Depends on the state and the district, but overwhelmingly the answer is going to be no. Testing scenarios, I'm talking about high stakes testing. So, you know, the end of the year kind of state testing situations, the testing room has to be equitable. And so if the, your child is in, is in a room uh, if they had a fidget, everyone would have to have a fidget, which is why usually like 
food is not allowed in those things. If one kid had it, every kid would have to have it. Uh, if your child does have a IEP or 504, which we've talked about on previous episodes, that might be a situation where they might have some allowances for a uh, accommodation. But typically speaking, uh, those things like fidgets are not going to be allowed. What might be allowed are extended time, multiple test sessions, uh, planned breaks is a, I think, one of the better ones. So if your child just their brain capacity just needs a break, if they have a 504, uh, planned breaks is you know a very reasonable accommodation for them. Certainly those clenching and releasing your fists, stretching while you're taking deep breaths, these things would be allowed in the testing room. Oh, for sure. I mean, as long as they're not distracting, uh, because that, you do have to be mindful of that. Anything that's distracting to the testing session cannot be permitted. And so, uh, man, it's, it's so tough because we even teach kids sometimes, like kids during the year, we teach them, hey, read that question out loud. And, but in a testing session, they can't actually use that because uh, it would be distracting to others. So... I don't know. I think it's a bit of a catch-22 sometimes when we give these really good strategies for doing better, but then they're not actually allowed to use them in certain situations. So one question I know Jacqueline's going to get a lot more is just medication. Like, can a kid take medication for anxiety? So in general, if a child just has situational anxiety or a specific phobia, they likely would not be put on a daily medication the way they would for generalized anxiety. Are there medications that exist that can help for kind of just on that day, off that day anxiety? Yes, there are. They're rare in kids. One category that we almost never use in kids is the benzo category, the Ativan, the Valiums. Those are addicting. They also decrease what's called the respiratory center in your brain. And so kids, if they have too much of it, it can tell their brain not to breathe. And we don't want that, especially for a testing day. We want kids' brain activity to be heightened. Just to let families know those medications in kids are most commonly used to break seizures, to lower the brain activity. So not something you want to do on test day. There's a couple others. Generally, they're rare. Um, There's a category of beta blockers. And what beta blockers do is they, you know, when you get nervous, your heart beats real fast. Well, beta blocker basically blocks that connection or slows down that connection from your brain to your heart telling it to beat fast. So then your heart doesn't get so, so fast. I know someone who, uh, before her MCATs, was actually put on a beta blocker and did fantastic later. Uh, Not something we typically use in younger kids, but it does exist. Um, There's also a third category, um, medications uh, called Vistaril or Hydroxyzine. It is somewhat similar to a Benadryl and the way it acts, not exactly. Again, these are medication usage rare in kids for this. And and if this is something you're interested in, definitely talk to your pediatrician. But this is something that you would want to try out before the day of the test because that hydroxyzine visceral category can often make kids very sleepy. Not what you would want during the middle of a test. Yeah. Uh, like you said, I have very rarely had my students on medicines for test anxiety specifically. Uh, because like you said, it's situational and I think there are better strategies that we can use uh, for tests specifically, uh, you know, many of the ones that we've just talked about. And again, I know the word high stakes, accountable gets thrown around a lot, but I promise you, these are one test, one day. It's a snapshot of what the student can show. And sometimes it's just not a great day. And that certainly happens. 
And so um, as a kid, or for students, for kids, I, I prefer not to see them on it, but you know, there are certain situations where it could be appropriate. Of course, adults, a little bit different for, uh, for anxiety uh, situations sometimes. I had a buddy in college, whenever he had a test or speech or anything, he would, uh, this would be like in the middle of the day, he would you know, open his liquor cabinet and have a little bit of a shot and, uh, and, and go about his way for the test. And I guess it worked for him because it calmed him down. But you know, certainly not something we're going to be doing with the kids. No, and something like that, again, make, can make you sleepy, decreases brain activity. And so it's not, what, it's not the ideal scenario prior to showing how smart you are or showing what you've learned. Yeah, I think he was just trying to get through it, just survive. <laughs> so nonetheless, on that test day, because there is going to be a test day, I always encourage the kids, dress comfortably, you know, be comfortable, uh, stick to that routine. And this is for kids with or without anxiety. And these are just general testing suggestions. Avoid like the sugar rush. Um, some parents I've seen have these like like donut boxes in the morning for the kids. And what ends up happening is they get so hyper on that sugar. And there are kids that get like overstimulated for the test and then their brain can't focus either. So a kid who hypothetically should do really well on this test actually has trouble focusing. And then just going back to those testing strategies that most teachers have covered throughout the year, reading the questions multiple times, checking your answers back, reading the questions uh, multiple times, you know, all those things that uh, I think we know as adults if you've ever taken a test, but we just want to make sure the kids have these same strategies. Overall, I think it's important, as we mentioned earlier, to stay positive. Overall, I think it's really important as a parent to continue to stay positive. You may personally feel we are in too much of a testing culture. My child's taking too many tests. That is perfectly okay to feel that way. But please don't put that on your child the day of the test. That positive, confident atmosphere that you can provide really can set your child up for success. And remember, these experiences of dealing with these high stakes areas, these stressful situations, and then your child learning how to come out of them completed and with a positive attitude, these will only help your child in the future. And so I encourage parents, regardless of your personal feelings about testing, be positive and instill confidence in your child because they really can feel that from you. And, you know, if your child is about to take a high stakes test or will in the future, uh, best of luck to them because, you know, they are prepared. I am confident their teacher has taught them well. And uh, I wish them and Jacqueline wishes them the best of luck. I want to remind all parents, you know your child best. There is no such thing as a perfect parent, but you can be the best parent for your child.